Okay, you're on. Am I audible? Am I? My? Do I sound like you can hear me clearly? Why can't you see me? I can't see you too well, but I can hear you. Wave your hand. Yes, I see you move. I see you move. It works. Yay! Nobody <laughs> move. Nobody <laughs> move from wherever they are. Everybody, all of you are in the right place. <laughs> so this is take twelve. I don't know. I don't know what the count is at this point of stories of Shastri mm-hmm. and. uh yeah and recording an episode with mansi today and uh she just dm me so let's try to tell her that i'm back on this i don't know how to do this what do i do okay this is going great this is going really great and Yeah, I mean, I tried to, you know, shampoo my hair for today, but then the oil just won't come off. Come on, I'm waiting. Oh, the last time I waited this much, trying to teach my puppy her name. Okay, how dare you? Am I still frozen? No, you're not. Should wave your hand. Yeah, done. Done. I got you. I'm frozen on my screen. Okay, anyway, we're gonna pretend like I can't see that. No, it's okay. You can see me anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, good. What are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm tired. I'm trying to uh, like fix my sleep cycle, so that's going great in life. In terms of, I'm not very fond of it, but I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? That's right. So tell, can you tell our listeners a little more about you? So uh, I am twenty. Uh, I'm a working individual. I recently graduated from Symbiosis. I did my masters and uh, I I didn't do my master. I did my bachelor's in filmmaking in uh, BA. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been working ever since. I mean, I've always been like a Uh, I recently made that shift from a freelancer to like a professional. Uh, yeah. Why I'm saying professional because most of my, at least from my experience, uh, the freelancer life makes you work with like uh, set amount of people. You know, it's it's a it's a thing between you and the client. Whereas right now I've started collaborating on a on multiple projects with other artists. So and we're recently launching. We did launch our own company in January. Uh, Called Kariga Studios. Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, we've been working with a few uh, giants in the industry, the animation field. So And that's been quite a ride. What's that like? Uh, it's very, very different because uh, unlike a lot of people, I haven't really received the formal education in this field. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's amazing. It's a beautiful experience because you get to learn so much on the job. Yeah, yeah. you, you so got to you do multi-task. When you say you haven't had formal experience in the field, what particular field are you talking about? I'm talking about to uh, be animation, right? In particular, so right. I haven't received any education in terms of design because I I study filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, somewhere down the line, you know, there's a big misconception that the When you talk about the nitty-gritties, the production line, uh, they're somewhere similar. It's really not that case because yeah. uh, when when you work actual film studio or when you're working on a film, there's 
can be close to uh, say around 300 people you're working alongside. Whereas if you're working on an, in an animation studio, where you will have around a team of 40 to 50 people max. It's more quality control, the animation thing. But I think across all fields, managing people is the thread that ties it all. You know, at the end of the day, it's about the people, not the job. Yeah. So that's a big learning I have had recently. I bet. So what are the different the various fields that you've worked with? Hmm. Uh, I have explored various mediums uh, in sense of field. Like, uh, I have tried my hand and projection mapping, you know, with the entire... It's an amazing technology, you know, when sound can be mapped in the form of visual and presented at the last year. Pardon? I have no idea what projection mapping is. Okay, so projection mapping is uh, basically with the use of the software, you get to map a particular surface in real time and yeah. then the software kind of uh, remembers that particular mapping. And then you can have certain visuals which are displayed on that map surface. So you project it on a surface, and therefore it's called projection mapping. It's so like it can either. Sorry. Yeah, these are very big, uh, big scale events. But on a so smaller scale, you might get to see these boxes, these cube boxes kept yeah. at PVRs and stuff. That's projection mapping. So that's also somewhat done on LED panels. Right. So, I mean. Any medium, you can project map on anything like like a screen, you know, like a, a movie theater screen sort of a thing. Or you can go all out with creating your own environment where uh, you talk about bringing in LED panels, which you must have seen in, you know, different gigs, different events, these big, big stages at music festivals. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how you can become a part of the people's experience and make them your own. Apart from that, uh, I am a heavy painter. I paint a lot. Yeah, I know. And, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I've been trying to go around the city and, you know, uh, like do a little vandalism here and there. And uh, also trying to get paid for doing that. So I did finish. Uh, my first very big wall was at this cafe called uh, the Good Food Cafe yes, in Kalyani Nagar. No, wait. Uh, in Kurga Park. In Kurga Park. Yeah, but like recently, uh, I mean, there's a new cafe in, in, in that place. Uh, the wall doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> but I've captured it in time. Well, so, that's yeah. good. It must work. Doesn't it feel odd to, you know, have that thing you created and suddenly it's gone away? It's I have a mental breakdown every time I walk across the cafe. Oh, no. uh, but... <laughs> But I, I never really understood why they will uh, repaint over a wall that big. Like it was an entire room, you know. They could have probably just called me up back and said that they, or like, you know, spoken with the cafe owners, asked them about who's done this. So, I mean, that's somewhere I feel like, you know, our community is not that, like we don't, even if we think we know about artists, we don't. Like we don't know how to talk to them. We don't know what they want. We just think, all we see is the Instagram world where, okay, I've uploaded a picture, I've gotten 100 likes. That's really not the psychology and the game that goes on behind it. Yeah, that's true. Do you feel like uh, people don't appreciate people's uh, art in general, like people's work? It could also be something as temporary as a mural. 
But do you feel like that sense mm. of appreciation is not there? There, uh, I think there's a lack of knowledge, awareness. Appreciation is there, definitely. I mean, you will see somebody's work and you will be like, okay, wow, you know, created this. But you don't know the behind the scenes of it. You don't have to know how to paint. You don't know how, how you don't know, you don't have to know how to spray paint and stuff like that. But uh, acknowledging the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a person and I have two hands. And the amount of time that it takes for me to cover a wall that is around 10 by 10 feet, you know, it's, you're, you're literally creating in time. That's the difference between, so I'm also a digital artist. Yeah. I'm, uh, I make digital illustrations. So that's the difference that I see with digital art, where you can easily undo, you know, you can overlay another layer. You can, right. Like your mistakes are gone in the middle. But when you do it on the wall, you do it on the painting, it's there permanently. Yes. So bringing that awareness in, and uh, I really feel like it works on the psychology of the people around. Like the community is heavily affected by the art that is propagated. I, I, I understand. I'll come back to that. We have a question from Ketan. Hi, Ketan. Uh, he asks, do you paint interiors as well? I know you have designed interiors. I don't know if yeah. you work on painting with interiors. I don't know what that uh, would entail. Okay, I think this is a two-way question. A one way can be the murals that I did. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do paint murals. And the second question uh, is, yes, I do paint as well. I was a part of this, uh, I was very fortunate to be a part of this project called Paula. Uh, it's a brand made for um, all, like all sorts of calls. I wouldn't just, you know, limit it to dogs and cats. Uh, so we, I was like, I was involved with the entire branding aspect and it then uh, trickled down into the uh, interior designing part as well. So a very important feature of the interior designing of this store is one of the accent walls where uh, from my personal experience, I've never seen a like an interior with a gradient wall, and I was very fascinated by it because it gives you that cinema for the uh, effect sort of a thing where you are in a different universe kind of a thing. So we kind of customized that particular wall. Uh, we did like a gradient of orange, shades of orange to pink, and yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. So he says, as in a customized wall, like the Avengers on a wall, for example. Sorry, out of creative ideas right now. So she painted the Starry Night at Good Food, right? Yes, yes. So Starry. I, along with another, I, along with another uh, former artist, we we kind of recreated the Starry Night uh, in our own little. But yeah, yeah, I do customize the wall art and stuff like interior. But... Yeah, I think it's. It's really, it was very pretty. I remember looking at that photo and I was just boggled because I wondered how much time that must have taken, man. I can't even draw a straight line without, you know, <laughs> breaking down. <laughs> that, that's it. You don't have to draw a straight line. You don't have to draw a straight line to be an Don't limit yeah. yourself, I've, I've done all kinds of weird paintings and sketches. You should see those. So I have, you and I, a little known fact is that we were in the same college together before mm -hmm. I chose to drop out, <laughs> which was funny. But uh, I remember I have this distinct memory of you uh, doodling in class. Mm -hmm. And I think I started doing that and I drew this beautiful hummingbird in class because of that. And also oh. because it's something I used to do separately, but then seeing you made me, you know, want to do it more. 
and mm-hmm. and i wanted to understand i always so i personally always pictured you going into ag okay <laughs> and then uh maybe because of the design aspect involved with it and because mm-hmm. you were so inclined mm-hmm. towards design and i think you took a keen interest in visual communication from what i could see Mm-hmm. So what made you go to filmmaking and then you know move on to pursuing a career in design? Mm-hmm. Filmmaking is the most raw form of art. Okay. Now let let me talk about painting. Let me talk about illustration. You have captured that moment and it's on paper, but when it's filmmaking, it's moving. Yeah, it's movement. Every frame is a painting. There are so many artists, you know. There are so many uh, directors who are artists in their own way. You know, not not traditional paint artists, but when you look at a frame, when you talk about composition, these things are so universal. And when you capture them in a in them in a moving format, you know, we as humans get so uh, drawn to these things. Like even right now on this live stream, like you're moving a little, I'm moving a little. You know, we we get stimulated. So that's why I feel amazing because it's it's not it's so much about storytelling. What what is the point of us having this interaction with about the story of it? Uh, ad, I'm not gonna bash the field of advertising. It's it's a uh, no go for it. Um, <laughs> it's because it's just, I mean see for for a while you know for some reason I mean I think I'm talking from my own experience as a student. Was working part time. Where, like, we enter the industry thinking, okay, I need to make money. I need to do this. I need to work with brands. I need to do that. And yes. slowly, you come to a realization that why am I working with this kind of a company? Why yes. am I trying to make advertisements for kids? You know, or why am I trying to okay, like sell this to them? So maybe there are people in the industry who are doing it for a better cause. But that's that's the kind of uh, experience I had. That so that's why I didn't choose to go into that. That's why I chose filmmaking, and I chose filmmaking over anything any day. It's a beautiful so then, art. So then, why did you move to design and not pursue filmmaking? Two D animation is a part of it. So okay, the kind of content where Sorry. it's a medium. It can be anything. It can be two D. It can be three D. It can be stop motion. There are all forms of storytelling. Why I did not pursue hardcore uh, live action filmmaking, if you may say, is because uh, according to my life circumstances, I found it easier to get into the 2D animation field because I was always surrounded by um, illustrators and artists uh, compared to like hardcore live action uh, filmmaking. There's a lot of, I mean, I really respect that field, and you cannot just step into it. You know, you cannot just attend college for like three years. Learn filmmaking and be like, okay, now I'm a filmmaker. You know, you need to have that prior knowledge of how to use cameras, why certain films are made that way. And I think that was one of the setbacks in college that I personally faced when I chose filmmaking as a specialization, because a lot of people came into the college with so much of knowledge. They were already like fangirls of like so many directors, so many movies, and I really wasn't that like. It's normal to not be so into movies and then suddenly, you know. So I don't know. I think my artist inclination went more into the 3D animation, but I wouldn't mind. It's a it's a very different field. Like live action, you need to know the artist. You need to know the actors you're working with. You need to have that rapport. You need to be an actor yourself. 
it's always a pro bono. So maybe because I'm an artist, uh, I'm a digital, I'm an illustrator, I'm a painter. Maybe that's why I found it easier to move into a 2D animation. Okay, that's fair. We have a question from Yuvraj who asks, do you think people have appreciated the diverse forms of art in this lockdown more than usual? Uh, of course, they have appreciated diverse forms of art in this lockdown. But that is not because, uh, like, oh, okay, now I discovered this to you. That's because I think, for some reason, people are more exposed to this digital media right now more than they are normally and so they scroll more and then it's not happening because of the what do you say you say organic growth right that's the organic speech it's not happening because of that i, I really doubt and that's not a good thing yeah, I, think, I probably agree do you think uh, some people's you know our mental health affects how we consume or how we create art in general definitely it does um and as i had said you know as a community we're really shaped by the art that we are exposed to yeah. uh, i think there's the, i think it was miami yeah. if you can correct me if i'm wrong uh due to a lot of uh incidences of you know robbery and uh, crime related uh, cases in the particular area uh the the emotion the state of the particular country was so grim that you know it was it was like they had just come out of world war or a situation of that sort and so to combat with that particular problem the mayor of the particular place he kind of commissioned a lot of artists to do around and you know do murals on walls and like do live expressions of these paintings that really changed the way the community started functioning that really changed the way the mentality mentality shifted towards them and that's a very big reason why Artists today, I mean, be it a very small painting, be it a digital piece of food, or be it huge murals, be it movies, be it films, art has always been that unapologetic form of expression. And uh, even if you're depressed, even if you're sad, even if you're going through some sort of mental trauma, art therapy is a really great place to find yourself. Yeah. Have you? There's another. Sorry. I, I just want to complain this point. Absolutely. There's another problem with this particular perspective is that a lot of artists kind of get intimidated uh, right. with looking at other people's work. And I found myself there quite a lot of times where you know you look at somebody's work and you're like, yeah, I can't create this. Yeah. What is what is the work? What is my work? I'll never be able to work this out. Or can I replicate this? What if I make the same thing? I get you. Uh, art is never original. Nobody has ever created original piece of art. Everything is a copy of everything. And I think the best thing that we, as people, not even just artists, I mean, you can draw, you can paint, you can do whatever you want to. But when you talk about uh, getting bogged down, getting emotionally stressed out by looking at other people's work, especially during this lockdown period, where a lot of people are like having, like facing problems with coping up with the reality of things. People are still trying to grasp in the fact that this is the new lifestyle that we have to live. We should not, like, just put a break to the mind. You know, just like, calm down. You don't have to always compare and think that my life is not like this. Or I'm not being so productive in my long term. Yeah. I, I do agree with you when you say that all art isn't original. But do you also agree that, let's say there's, this is an example I've used in one of the previous uh, streams also. 
uh, that if there is a glass, right? I would probably like let's say but let's say we're talking about film. I would probably shoot it differently or pan yeah. into the glass differently than you would. So yeah. would you agree that while art is not original, it is also it can also be original to a certain extent? I I do agree with you when you say that all art isn't original, but do you also agree that let's say there's this is an example I've used in one of the previous uh, streams also. Uh, yeah. That if there is a glass, right? I will probably like let's say let's let's say we're talking about film. I would probably shoot it differently, or pan yeah. into the glass differently than you would. So, yeah. would you agree that while art is not original, it is also it can also be original to a certain extent? This is decision of yours coming from to click that photo, coming from your own personal experiences, right? It's coming from yeah. your own. Learnings and like yeah. you know, exposures to things. So, for a for like a clear a comparison, you can think about every piece of art as a person. Now we talk about individual people. We can say that people cannot be the same. Like you can't have the same emotions as I do. You cannot have the same uh, perspective. Like you can have the same perspective. But you can't. There are a lot of things that we have different, and there are a lot of things that we have the same. Similarly, every piece of art is coming from The source, the source is us, and we can never say that you know I'm completely original. Like I come from a blank slate, and uh, like you know there's nobody like me. Obviously, there's nobody like me. But we are, we are being of another being which had already pre-existed. We're all connected, so we are an adaptation, and in in a beautiful manner, obviously, you know, not to like shame the fact. So, I mean, that's what I think about art, be it anything, mm-hmm. it's an adaptation. It is original in its own way. But it's important to acknowledge that fact. A lot of people bang on it and be like, "Oh, this is my original piece of work," and like nobody's ever done this. And everything is—you've seen it, you've seen something—it's in your head. You're gonna put it out in your. It's just good to acknowledge these small things. Right. You know, I must say that is one of the most uh, satisfactory answers I have ever gotten for any question of mine. I really love it. That's going I'm to glad, go I'm on glad. my. That's going to go on my. Thesis. <laughs> uh, awesome. So coming back to you know what we were discussing about uh, art therapy in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have you do you have any experience facilitating that? Not yet, uh, but I am looking forward to uh, getting some education in that field right. and actively mm-hmm. becoming a part of that kind of practice. Because I really feel like, uh, as artists, in the coming age and time, it's our responsibility to not just uh, bank on people buying our art. That's not the only way we can monetize our work. It's not that it's not about what comes out from the hand or from the paint or medium. It's about what, what's in here, what's in here, and that's what it. That's why we are artists. We look at the world. We want to help people. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I will want to venture into that. I think you'll be quite good at it. To be honest, I I really enjoy watching you paint and your entire process. I've seen you sketch so much, and I think I've seen you paint a few times also. So I hope you do. We have a question: Is it possible to show us some of your work on screen, like right now? Maybe we can. Maybe you can go check out my series. Uh, there's a lot of my work on the screen. 
Yeah. We have one more that asks, have you collaborated with musicians to work on a music video? Having an experience in filmmaking and design, would you consider yourself being a part of something like that? I think you missed what we said earlier. Let's repeat that. <laughs> so yes, I have worked uh, with uh, musicians. I've collaborated on uh, making music videos. I've also collaborated on a live set. Um, in in which you know during which there's the artist who's playing his music his particular set and uh, I am launching live visuals, thinking to his music. So I have performed at around uh, three to four venues as of now, and uh, I'm looking for so much more. I mean, so much music and art go hand in hand because I have come across so many new genres because of these particular collaborations. Um, Coming to the music video, I have collaborated with this uh, indie upcoming uh, underground artist. I cannot reveal, reveal his name now unless until our you know, music video last. But uh, we work together on a 2D animated video. And uh, I think that's going to be like a, that, that's something that I'm looking forward to. Keeping in mind the way the animation industry right now is growing. Um, I don't know if you're aware about this, but Kenny Sebastian, uh, has collaborated with this uh, artist called Manu Bhattacharya. Yeah. He's a part of the Coast Animation Studios. And uh, they have kind of come up with this comic, uh, like comic sketch sort of a thing, where it's literally sketches of this character talking, mimicking Kenny's voice. So that was something uh, new to see, you know, in the industry where India is still developing. Like when we talk about trying styles or like, collaborating with other artists, we somewhere still have this sort of hesitation within ourselves, you know, like, will I be able to do, will I be able to try this time? So, coming back to your music video point, yes, that's, that's happening. <laughs> yes, if you have something you want to collaborate on with her, you just have to DM her and that's all. That's uh, we. What is the most interesting music video, like a 2D animated music video you watched? What's your favorite one? Um, there's this, I, I might not remember the name of the musician, I think it's called When I Was Done Dying. Okay. Uh, so it's basically, it has around seven to eight different animators, like styles, he's collaborated with seven to eight different animators. And so it's a story of this protagonist, as the song goes, he's talking about how he, he's having different life experiences. And he's growing out of each. He's becoming a different person. And even in the middle, he has like a slight breakdown. So yeah. eventually, the styles kind of progress. And these animators who worked on the video are well-known people in the industry. You know? Even if you haven't heard their names, you must have seen their work somewhere. Like one of the artists has collaborated with Harley Davidson for some of their sketches. And it's not like everything is 2D animation. Some of it is like uh, paper cut animation, some of it is like stop motion animation. So uh, there's this one part in the video where he talks about uh, his own confrontation within, you know, with his former self. And the visual is basically of him like like in a cocoon, like crying out fears. And he's out, he's like in space and he's looking, uh, I don't know, like he's approached by this entity and um, it's a very, like, that particular shot really hit me because he's kind of apologizing for being so damaged and the tears drop and then the entity kind of blows him. That's the point where he realizes, you know what, I'm limitless. 
like i don't need to be apologetic for whoever i am so you should definitely go watch it because mm-hmm. when i was done die i will i've actually noted it down are you just help us with the name out here so i just wrote it down quietly <laughs> okay one of my favorite ones i don't know if you watched this uh, it's called uh, changes everything and yeah is it james and pala no 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 uh sunlux sunlux i don't know how do you pronounce that uh but they have so that's s o n l u x and uh, they have this thing where so the lyrics are basically this morning changes everything and you know it it goes on to show a person's voice screaming it becomes a clock it becomes a landscape it becomes all of that and at the end of the video you see that these are these are actually uh, is actually thread work that was done on a board with nails which means the amount of time it took the entire thing was it was kind of like a i think that would count uh, as a stop motion if i'm not wrong okay yeah to us that is very limited but it and in the end you can see all the little uh, holes in that board that was made oh. of this video it was mind board it was mind blowing uh, i totally loved it it i think you should watch that i'll send you the link uh, definitely so uh, vanilla bear asks so are you saying that originality is dead is it dead why i mean I'm not trying to be an optimistic kid. I know you have to think about life and its practicality, like beauty of it. When you start associating with things, like sensitive topics like originality, when you start associating with words like dead, it takes you down a very different spiral. You know, that's the that's the point about gratitude. That's the point about noticing small things in life and being happy for wherever you are. Okay, there can be so many debates about how um, originality is actually there, and the content creation, and then the copywriting, and then you know, endless number of these uh, fights that are still going on. Okay, for an example, I'll, I'll talk about this particular movie called Sita Sings the Blues. It's uh, directed by Nina Pali, I think. Nina Pali. What's the name um, of the movie again? Sita Sings huh. the Blues. Okay. So it's uh, what she, what the director has done is she's kind of done a comparison between two stories. One is about Sita and you know her entire uh, like Ram's confrontation, that entire part where she like she gets kidnapped and then you know she's back home and then Ram kind of he says no, like I'm not going to take you back. And uh, she compares it to her life, where she experiences that sort of a breakup with her husband via via an email. yeah you know so that particular movie she is not an indian director but she did a lot of research uh, <clears throat> into this this particular style so she like it's an animated movie it's an animated movie and uh, there are there are a lot of blues the song is basically blues there's a lot of, like there's this particular artist that she's featured and she's singing most of the blues for sita's part so that's a very interesting cultural combination that you get to see where you have the indian mythological character dancing to a blues song yeah. and um, then there's this pencil animation of her and like so she kind of it's a beautiful creation i mean you should definitely go watch it and she got filed with around i think 78 plus copyright cases on that particular movie because of the song because of the style 
people literally bombarded that particular like like piece with so much of criticism and out of everything she ended up making it free so it it, it has a creative uh, i think it's creative content license yeah uh, you can correct me creative commons i think so it's basically like it's free you know you you know she's not going to get copyright over it even if you replicate any part of it or if you replicate the song sort of thing i think it comes under creative commons creative commons like yeah 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 that so she after facing all of that after facing all the lawsuits after getting bankrupt and like facing all of this she decided to come out and talk about it she started giving lectures about it started visiting colleges and talking to them telling them you know like i mean there's there's a way to go about these things that as as artists be it whatever feel you cannot hold on to your piece of art like it's your like the freaking baby and you're going to die with it you're not going to die with it it's in the world let it do let it be what it is don't think about it as it is your piece it is your piece be it original be it replicated you know acknowledge it appreciate it so i hope that helps yeah i hope uh, vanilla bear if you have any more questions you can ask uh, so are you trying to say that uh, that it is uh, it depends on the person what they create like what kind of a cocktail they create from all the flavors and all the spirits available to them as long as it's and it's very different if it's plagiarized and lifted off directly it is that's okay. the so that's the one difference that you see the minute i take somebody's work and i do not credit them and i do not tag them or you know acknowledge them that's the minute i'm not being you have to be true to yourself whatever you do you have to be true to yourself you have to ask yourself these questions that did i originally make this is this actually my piece of work because it's very easy right now with the digital platform that we are working with and even if we are born into this like we were born when this industry started booming a lot yeah. of pieces prior to this already like they've been existing for school in long so back then they i i doubt you know there was so much of this plagiarism case that you're talking about Uh, but right now, because it's so easy to you know like capture somebody's work, like like screenshot it and you know download it or whatever. The minute you don't be true to yourself, that's when you can say plagiarism. That's the time when you can use the tool. Yeah, I. But then, I mean, plagiarism did exist even back then. If, like let's say with, I mean, with music, maybe not with visual arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I remember reading this piece about how producers would pay music directors to go and watch Elvis live. and come back and uh okay. the movies so all of okay. it became some other song i don't remember what it was hmm. so uh or you know you have uh, 100 miles which got replicated into tum dena saath mera the hamara one right so right. i do feel like it did exist somewhere but would that you know take away the credit that is given to say the songwriter i'm still conflicted about something like that just because the music director put it in like into that mix okay i'm going to counter question you on that do you think that the impact of that particular song would have made a difference if the director had mentioned this particular source of his inspiration Okay, if they, if you have to be, if you want to talk about it in in like a free artist sense, you can call it inspiration. 
So do you think that the song would have made a different impact? Yes, maybe because after years, people are starting to because of the kind of information available to us. I see that people are starting to realize, "Acha, you know, this is this song is from there. It is lifted off of there." So I feel like had the directors then it's the music directors at that point said, "Okay, we take an inspiration from this." I feel like that sense of honesty would probably be appreciated. Yeah. Because these songs don't come under the Creative Commons licenses, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I do yeah. feel that somewhere, and like the the trust factor, like you when you yeah. cheated on, <laughs> yeah, or you yeah. feel like okay, I've been humming this, but this actually is from somewhere else. So the person I've hasn't really you know done that. Okay, mm. so Vanilla Bear says today, if I have a beef with someone, I can easily copyright them as laws. On I can easily copyright them as laws online are very disturbing. I don't know much about. Uh, I mean, I know a little bit about intellectual property with photographs, but not with mm. any other artwork. What do you have to say mm. to that? Mm. I haven't received prior uh, education, so I haven't done my bit of research when you talk about copywriting uh, laws, because it's such a vast topic, such a vast subject, even in yeah. terms of IP. But from the work that I've been working on recently, so we are. Doing production, we're doing really full-fledged animation production for channels like Kudu uh, and Disney for Kidzika. So when we're working on that kind of content, everything, like all our transactions with them, are done via a particular medium. Everything is, everything has a watermark on it. Nothing can be taken down. Even when they they are approaching us as a studio, where we are, you know, delivering a test to them. Sorry. So that also needs to go out as a watermark because that can easily be like it can the file can go via via because and anybody can copy it down. So when you talk about, I can talk a bit about the intellectual property thing. The only thing I can say for starters is do your research. If you have to put something out, do your research. Don't wait till an experience teaches you something. You know, don't wait till the point where okay, I've been careless. I've been putting out my work. I've been sending stuff, and then suddenly one day you wake up to your stuff being out somewhere. Or in case you do find yourself, let's not hope that you ever find yourself in that position. But in case you do find your original piece of work somewhere, confront the person, talk to the person, educate them about these things. In case they're not, and if they're not ready to own up to it, then be vocal about it. I mean, that's what we do. We're so adamant on being so vocal about things, so why not talk about these issues? Yeah, probably. Uh, moving on, Simran Kulkarni asks, "Do you think that this lockdown has opened up more opportunities for visual artists or animators, as that is an execution style that people might opt for, as they are unable to shoot actual footage?" I think you are a better candidate to answer this question. I don't know. Uh, I feel like, I feel like yes, maybe. I genuinely think that I, I see myself going to different uh, forms of art than what I would do with the opportunity of going out, most definitely. Yeah. But what do you yeah. think? Because I'm not the animator here, nor am I technically. I would come under visual artist, but not really. Visual art is anything you see. Okay. Yeah, I know. So technically, I but but then I, I want to know what you think. 
it's a very dicey situation um, because um, we don't know the predict we don't know the time period till when this particular lockdown is going to last it so we don't know till when we're going to be exploring the medium now for example when you talk about tiktok in comparison with instagram uh tiktok was primarily made for that kind of originality like no filter no pre edit you just go live and you have like fun. you have like your you know whatever mimicking thing you have fun like what it was made it wasn't made thinking the, the the kind of reputation that it got in india a while ago it wasn't made necessarily for that kind of stuff it was a lot of companies a lot of influencers it's a huge market for them you know and that particular platform is booming so much because of this originality of it so i'm sure that there are a lot of mediums that people are getting into and because they're spending more time with their self less distracted exploring more stuff about them they you know what they want to do uh, it's a great thing we're utilizing these platforms but i really i really wish you know that we still were such active content creators we like we should remain such active content creators after the lockdown that would be very interesting to see yeah, when we go out back in the, yeah 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 i get, i i don't get that i understand that perspective quite a bit we have pious oh how are you pious i hope you're well uh pious asks as an artist do you have a particular genre in creating a particular design or an animation Mm, um, I wouldn't want to kind of confront myself, like you know, stop, like like put myself in that kind of a box. I mean, I I look at it like it can be a different, it can be completely like a different perspective or something. You know? So, from most of my experiences that I've come up with, I've always had this for a very long time. I've had the struggle of being in one. having a style be having like one selling point of yours and then marketing the shit out of it like monetizing the shit out of that one particular style and yeah for a very very long time i struggled with like identity issues because of that because so many people always keep telling you you know that you should stick to one thing you shouldn't yeah. be the jack of all trades you should have yeah. one medium and you should ace it and so on but It's okay to not have that beauty style because you can be so fluid. You can be so versatile. Definitely, there are certain things that are different about my um, practice or my. If you go to the technicalities of my work, you can definitely differentiate between Mansi Stoke and Sangamitra Stoke. Yeah. But there's so much more than that. There's so much more than just a style. You need to pick a genre. in your just thinking yeah yeah so he also asks how does your visual approach change with respect to the genre you're working on uh it's it's mostly about how it makes you feel i think i mean i always i i also do quite a bit of research on the genre it's not just off the hat like okay, i'm listening to metal and i'm seeing like pink or black and I'll, you know i do a bit of my research to make it as like uh till the till the extent um, where you can find like you know yourself relating to that piece of shit yeah i haven't really delved into like the shock so there are various movements ongoing in the art community you know, where people are creating art to shock you 
so when you look at it you should like suddenly it should like encapsulate in your brain you know they play on the entire psychology of our attention span and all of that so it it really differs as to what the artist actually wants so so as of now like so far i haven't in my own pieces of work that i make myself be it in any genre be it in post modern be it in contemporary i have tried to stick to the like the core the basics of the core if you talk about skin color i haven't really experimented in the dosing but when i'm collaborating with another artist it's very interesting to see how their mind and my mind kind of fuse together yeah. where i bring my experience on the floor and they bring their experience like it's it's amazing so you have to research do not do it off the hat listen to the music when you're collaborating with music artists especially because they're making the music with certain knowledge with certain you know uh, learnings of their own and understand what the music is take it from them make it your own and then you can like there's no limitation how you want to you want to show cyberpunk in pink and blue you want to show cyber example okay now when i talk to you about cyberpunk can you imagine cyberpunk in like a yellow like just yellow like a rainbow see you're talking to a person who can correlate uh, yellow and uh, pink with uh, with psychedelic music or even black okay. so for me it's okay. like i can create anything with that and okay. i would probably create a more somber thing with uh, with maybe if i'm listening to say uh, down tempo or something so but yeah cyberpunk for sure yellow i would definitely <laughs> okay but like would you would you associate it with like black like black and black and white so i come from the school of thought that i feel like it depends on what uh, state of mind you are in at that point so that's so, like another thing i feel is when you talk about like again coming to music music is a is a like a big field that was a time but it has its certain principles because it fits in certain cultures you know and there's a reason why it's trending in a particular time not trending the reason why it's striking a certain chord with the viewers so yeah. it's important to have that prior knowledge about that culture for an example psychedelic so it's easier to relate to the crowd as to what the artist wants to convey yes. with this medium you know the medium the feeling art it's just it's about that Okay. My my mom asks, could you uh, move yourself or the camera so we can see your face? Expressions add to the experience. She's going to. It's it's good. It's good. So cute. I agree. Yeah, you will hear her later after we talk again. So Ayush asks, how was your experience working as an art director? on various short films in college so um i have this very uh, memorable experience uh from the short film i actually worked with ayushan who directed it uh it was a project called almost together hmm. and uh, um, so when i talk about any form of art not just being about the form but about the people you know it's really the people who make the project and uh, okay talking about art directing there's only till a point where you can sit in a room and ideate if this the wall should be this color the certain props should go in front of this you know this person the lighting should be this way the mood should be set in a particular way 
you can visualize in that particular room on that paper or on that software or whatever till and step at the end of the day you have to step into those you have to step on the set you have to walk with the owners of the property you have to walk with your assistants you have to store things you have to make sure in the in the end like everything is set in the frame you can constantly be looking at the frame making sure there's nothing wrong because little do we know about the film industry is that when you talk about every frame of painting uh, i think sanjay reela bansali is a great example for this sort of a thing when he he himself loves textile you know yeah. he's heavily into that sort of a field so when you really look at his films and like when you step back from the entertainment aspect the emotional aspect and take a visual look at the film you see the way he's overlaid thing you see the way how certain textiles bring a certain emotion to the film so as an art director i think that was my one most memorable project where i kind of moved out from that freelancer phase when like, i'm alone and i can do this on my own you can have to work with people and they really made the film whatever it is be small things be small things contributing so i think that's another good example of how people are a very a lot of people have uh, experiences where they work with high industry professionals people are a very high paid and they are very you know rowdy they don't give a shit about you and they'll be very rude to you they've had those experiences because somewhere down the line they've developed that mentality that culture because they work with about 100 to 200 people a day managing those 200 people a day making sure your ideas are being put through it's a it's a huge task but when you're starting at a small scale you have to always keep this especially when you have people working with you or for you you have to always keep in mind that putting your idea across is one thing but imposing it on them is another thing. Yeah. You should always be open to that you know collaboration being on yeah, the director yeah yeah uh hi sama she says so glad to see you too best wishes looking forward to some great conversation how you doing <laughs> um, also uh so shubhankar asks uh, can you ask that banana and duct tape question so this was a question he asked in one of the last uh, the last few episodes the recent ones uh there was some um, i think there was a piece an art installation someone created by with uh, banana and duct tape and i think it was considered to be a masterpiece of some sort okay and i don't really know what it was shubhankar you will have to ask that question again i'm not sure what exactly that was i don't remember it but we'll come back to that uh coming back to you know people being you know rude or crass towards you and your work how do you stand your ground when it comes to you know being treated or even being commissioned with what you think you deserve Hmm. Very important question because um, I did not have a common mentor when we talk about going into the freelance field and representing yourself as a solo illustration, graphic designer, um, videographer, whatever. So I've done all like I've done videograph, videography, I've done editing, I've done illustration. I mean. whatever i could get my hands on i've done and in all of these fields commercials has been a super tough thing for me to deal the longest of time so it was always about you know i think my lack of uh, research let's say on this particular topic kind of made me a little unsure as to where do i grade my work but the more i started doing it 
the more i started playing the more i started understanding that this is the value i can provide to you the more i started holding my ground you know what this is a this is the particular amount that i charge for this and if you cannot afford it i'll be willing to help you to someone else who can but there's only to the point where i can really negotiate with you because yeah. when i come on board you know i don't come on board as one thing yeah. i come on board as 10 people so and it's very important okay. i'm going to talk for girls here i'm not i'm not trying to be sexist okay but as as a girl in this industry uh i have faced a lot of issues with people trying to just negotiate the cost for me or you know like yeah. it's like you know just i do it for free don't even pay me like what is the point of getting either getting a graphic made either getting a logo made either getting a wall mural done either getting the geography either getting branding done so it's very important as to the kind of there are there are certain responsibilities to maintain in this first of all from the artist perspective you need to know what kind of people you are entertaining what kind of clients you are entertaining i know everybody has desperate times where there's shorter shortage of money you're surviving on your own you're living away from home and i have been surviving on my own for around 4 years now i have had even financial help from my parents apart from the apart from paying my educational fees Yeah. So I get those points in you, but do not like stoop down to those things. And even if you are going to stoop down to those small scale projects that get you involved with dealing with people who don't really know your art, be professional. Even if you are not, you have to put up that image of yourself that okay, this is what I do. This is what I represent. This is the people. If you cannot afford it, I'll help you with something else. But be polite. You know, don't be like outrageous in front. Yeah, I get it. I I I will come to that. We are, you know, nearing the end of this timer, so I'm going to start another live video in like two minutes. Uh, okay. But coming, let's just start with the uh, the banana bit, and in the next one, those of you yeah. who are you know listening, please join in because we're going to talk about being women in this industry. Because I actually have a question about that. Uh, okay. So uh, basically, someone duct taped a banana on a blank white wall, and it sold for a hundred and twenty thousand dollars. How is something like that justified? Because sometimes weird art pieces in movies actually do make a lot of sense. Hmm. It's a it's a very sensitive subject yeah. about uh, art being objectively subjective. Yeah, what Because is I've that? I've seen a lot of. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people looking meaningless to us, seeming meaningless to us, and getting sold for a lot. And there's been some really weird stuff on the internet. Can you talk about art on canvas? Yeah, don't so go there. Even look that. <laughs> I would not. But, um, <laughs> but you know what? It's interesting to see what people can bank on. to like the the want of us to you know want like have a possession of something that we will put so much money on it till a point yeah. where that particular object loses its meaning so going back to having certain pieces in movies which do not actually make sense at the first glance but then later when you research about it it makes a lot of sense to you um who is researching you are researching so of course it's going to be subjective to you the filmmaker is making it for you but he is not like going to give it to you 
you know you can only grasp it if you have that prior knowledge to so you can assume meaning of art it's like that typical thing i always came across in my literature classes you know where the whether uh, writer talks about the curtains being blue and then the teacher like assumes that he is depressed because the curtains are blue yeah you you cannot put that you cannot put that like uh, assumption on somebody piece piece somebody else's piece of work and then make it a generalized thing you cannot generally say okay this this means this piece is sad or this means that's the beauty of art that's why certain paintings certain pictures move you they make you cry and when you think about it looking at a picture you're going to cry it's like like why should i that's the thing the only tipping point is when people start monetizing the stuff and today it's money tomorrow it can be anything ages ago it was like i don't know stones artifacts or something but when you want to grab a possession of something and make it think that okay you know what this i want this because it looks so valuable to me i think that's the that's the edge you have to move that line and yeah. not get into that line because i've seen so many spoof videos where people are trying to fake it into moma it's it's an art gallery uh very renowned art gallery and they're trying to fake like fake it and do like random pieces and the saddest part is they're just faking it it's not like they're actually putting in like thought and effort into it and, and then there are so many uh experiences out on the internet you look it up on youtube like where people are going and visiting these uh, exhibitions of artists who have like just red stains on like a canvas or like a red circle on the canvas and they're being sold for like lakhs and lakhs and people are just like what is you know, what is this shit what does this mean you know why that's the part where that's where you know art makes you stop and rethink like we consider maybe don't pay for it maybe don't bid so much for it it's like bidding for people you know it's like prostitution yeah. what is the point <laughs> yeah i agree i don't know if my mom's emojis were on purpose or by mistake <laughs> So I'm just going to leave that to conjecture. And okay, now uh, let's just start a fresh video and let me save this one. So all of you listening, join back in, please. We love you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. So uh, yeah, coming back to uh, I think I lost you again. Okay, you're here. Uh, coming back to. you know something you said about people being trash i want to understand uh do you think you have an added advantage or a disadvantage when it comes to you know being a woman in the industry because i know i have a certain advantage and disadvantage so i want to understand where you stand on that like you know people bargaining for your fees or your work or you know not giving it that kind of importance I think we always have to, uh, when it comes to being an original content creator, to the point you always have to fight for your art. And uh, I don't know why this needs to be like a topic we all should be talking about about women and how we get face more problems than men do. I'm sure like a lot of guys have also faced multiple yeah. issues. Just, like. For some reason, we always we always go down that lane, or you know, check, and we're gonna get like objects. They will be gonna be looked as an object, like not gonna be appreciated for our work and the position that we hold, and how people feel sometimes intimidated by what we do. 
in how we do yeah. it and how we project ourselves and that kind of gets affected into the way we create and the way we market our work so it's a i mean i really want this this ideology this particular frame of thinking to kind of stop and the most important thing is we suffer more not because of the clients that we have be it like the male uh company sort of thing we also suffer because of the female support that we receive you know? the shaming that we kind of get or the the fact about you know, oh my god like she she's putting herself out there so much like she really wants to you know get it on or like yeah. you know, she why is she doing this why can i when why can i not work with her on this so yeah. as okay when you start viewing us as like a minority we're not a minority we're empowered like we're living in the 21st century but when you talk about like be so vocal about the issues that we're facing supporting each other in this is the first step that we should be taking you know that is when even you must be thinking like this is something that i have experienced so far female clients women are way more open in communication with me. yeah they are way more you know like vocal about their ideas and why is that not the case with any other male artist or male freelancer it is a very sensitive place to be because we're always in like the spotlight we're at the forefront we're always driving our own boat sort of a thing and so when yeah. these comments are come they come at us like be it from the clients be it from friends be it from uh, people on instagram you know so yeah. um i wouldn't say that we hold like a lower position or we have like the more struggle sort of thing in this but i just think we should be more conscious about it. and if you are facing the sort of a problem if there's somebody who's not valuing your piece of work then, then tell them dude. like i don't like most of the problems that we face today is because we settle for less yeah we settle for things that we know are damaging us be it an art, be it a personal, be it anything. The minute you step your foot down and say, you know what, I don't want, I don't deserve this. I'm worth more than this. That's that's the point where you know you get out of your own cage, sort of thing. I understand, and you are you are very right. I think it takes, but then I feel like also it doesn't it take a lot of time for a person to be able to do that because, like we discussed earlier, there are certain times where you just need work. so then you end up putting up with all kinds of stuff but then there are sometimes where you know i in my case i have been lucky enough to you know be able to call out clients on their bullshit mm-hmm. and you know tell them you know call a spade a spade at that point but then i don't see a lot of other photographers or a lot of other you know visual artists or designers graphic designers my god you know the kind of uh, treatments they go through is not even funny i'm yeah. so glad i'm not one so hey <laughs> come on i'm sorry no i mean i mean once for you know working with i'm just i don't know how to save myself from that one now so <laughs> i i basically mean that you have to this you know the minute changes right mm-hmm. and there are lots of them when i say they don't it takes them a lot of time is i feel like a someone who you know knows the trade would mm-hmm. probably know that okay after two corrections or re edits the next mm-hmm. ones are charged you know the other ones are chargeable yeah. so then the others don't do it they're still getting paid like 500 or 300 a creative mm-hmm. and not for the 500 and 300 changes that their client made to them mm-hmm. so don't you think it 
also comes from a sense of experience and also maybe privilege of some sense. Yeah, so to talk about, in the, in the micro sense, we talk about graphic designing as an industry. Uh, experience does play a role in both ways. Be it when you're uh, putting out a budget to the client regarding the fees and when you're actually working on a piece. Because that's where you can differentiate between an actual experienced artist and like an amateur. If you start a business, I've been there. Everybody is a beginner. I'm still a beginner in a lot of senses. But uh, certain like skills you have to train your brain to recognize. For an example, let's talk about composition. Let's talk about uh, alignment. Very small example. A lot of graphic designers have faced this problem and are probably crying right now listening to this. But when you talk about aligning the logo with the text or centralizing the text or, you know, putting it on the right wing of the left. The kind of content we are consuming is made by people who, okay, like none of my, like nothing have I come across yet where, you know, I've come across like an Indian platform which is as big as the future. Hmm. The future is basically this uh, design media agency where they like they not only cater to a lot of clients in terms of branding graphic designing they also put out a lot of content and the ceo the founder of this particular company is such an influential person because he talks so much about how we should respect our own art you know and we should become like uh, professionals at the work we do because when you talk about graphic designing then you know there's no like okay you can quickly differentiate between the photographer with an amateur and a photographer yeah. who is not an amateur and you yeah. cannot be like uh, changes cannot be made live while you're shooting yeah. compared to a graphic designer where most of the time sometimes clients are sitting with you sometimes clients are on call with you sometimes you're, you're having like four and five back and forth it's a live project so you need to be that uh, you need to put yourself into that experience state where a lot of artists, a lot of graphic designers get frustrated. You know, they're like, this, oh, this client doesn't understand only what design language is. They're put, yeah. making me do this shit for no reason. Like, what, what is my life? I'm getting frustrated over working with one guy <laughs> yeah. for 500 bucks. You know, but yeah. that's when you have to stand up for yourself. You can tell the client that, okay, the quality that you are expecting from me is not worth 500 bucks. And if you want me to do so many changes, you need to know in that moment, okay, this client is asking me for more than one change. So I need to bring this point up with them. That, okay, I understand that you want me to change the complete style. Let's stick to it. Let's talk about it. Let's understand what you exactly want before just yeah. diving straight into it. You know, like you you have to understand the person. You, you can't just get married to somebody and then, okay, now I'm going to like live the rest of the life with you and then we're going to get into a shitload of fights. And I'm going to ruin my life because you don't do that shit. Like, at least I hope. Okay, I know a lot of arranged marriage and stuff happen, but people is the wrong example. I'm going to think about a better example. Okay, you're going to surgery, for an example. When you're going to surgery, okay. think about it, right? You don't just go to the doctor and say, okay, cut, cut my stomach open. There is something wrong yeah. with my kidney. It's most of the process. The doctor gets to know you. So, similarly, you have to get to know the client. And um, I think when you. Put yourself out there when you say, okay, you know what, before we start with the project, like, okay, I understand you want a logo, I understand you want a branding, you want a graphic design done, but let's get more into the conversation of what is it exactly that you're looking for. Because there's a reason why these clients are coming to us. 
practice, they don't know what they're looking for. We do. Yeah. So I feel like as professionals, we are obliged to understand that, take that up professionally. Because I'm sure you must have noticed, you know, a lot of like these very high position people, be it law, be it art, be it doctors, they really want to sit down with the client. They really want to sit down and understand what you actually want. And that's how yeah. they make quality products. You know? Yeah. So they do. You have to you have to really even if you're starting out, like, like own up to that shit. Like, okay, you know what? I'm starting out. I cannot take on this really big project in which I'm gonna like screw myself up. Be honest about it. Tell the person that this is the this is the, you know, limit let's take this is the qualification that I have for this. This is what I can deliver at this much cost. You have to always have the um, money discussion. The money talk is so important in the business. Oh, is it okay if I share my personal experience? Are we running out of time? No, no, we're not running out of time. It's called stories of Shastri. You're sticking to the brand. Go for it. Okay. Okay, okay. Go for it. So, uh, like, one of my experiences with this music video was that when I had approached the artist, he was not looking for a 2D animated video. He was looking for a story. And I sold the idea to him that, you know what, instead of making it like a live action film, make it an animation thing. Because in the Hindi industry, in our Bollywood industry, they, there isn't much animation stuff done. So it will be nice. And you really stand out in the competition. And so that's how I brought out my own idea to him. He has right. zero knowledge, zero background in this particular industry. And so all he understood was he got excited about the, you know, the story part. Like all clients love to hear about their brand and, you know, how you yeah. pay it, how it's going to look and everything. But when it comes about the money, they stop picking up the call. No. <laughs> I face that with him. I face a black and uh, like a like a cat and mouse chase with him. Like, and after the point, I was just like, you know, why am I doing this? Like, I had already hired a team. We had already been on the project. My contracts weren't signed. So that was that was one learning that I had that I had to get my contract signed before I moved. No matter what. Yeah. yeah. And and he ghosted me outside. And I was like, dude, how how am I to deal with this issue? So I tracked him down and I confronted him and I told him, you know what, if you're not able to financially fund this project, we find you a partner. Like, let me help you make it. Don't just give up yeah. on this. It's because you think that, okay, it doesn't have potential. So, you have to really believe in your... That's the risk that I took initially, Sangha, with this. It's not like, you know, I settled for, like, my budget for this particular film was around 1.5 lakh. Okay? Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm settling for it. I'm settling for, like, a 30,000, 40,000. Because yeah. I knew the people were involved in it and the financials. I should have like 1.5 lakh knowing he cannot fund the project, getting a like a mm -hmm. partner on board is still fine. That kind of product going out, the quality of that product is worth like around five to six lakh. But understanding the client's limitations, that also you have to consider. Because we're at the end of the day, we're service providers. Be it whatever, even if the client is ghosting, you reach out to them to, to the point where, you know, you understand why this project is not working out. So when I actually sat down and I had a confrontation, he was all in for the quality and the quantity, but the money was there. So I found out a solution for him. I got a partner on board. The partner contributed. Then money started flowing in. Work started moving. We started, we were in the middle stage of production. He started coming over, taking a look at the, you know, works and everything. And then in the middle, he decided to change the track which we were animating on. 
and animation let me explain you yeah. animation works on frame there are 24 yeah. frames per second hmm. and this so that means 24 frames are drawn by hand and this particular yeah. video was for around 3 minutes and um so we animated on the beat of the song and everything and then he was like i want to change the track because one of the 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 guy who was involved in the music production got defamed for some some on like some case he got filed against some uh there was i i'm not exactly sure what it was but some um friend of his spoke up spoke out about his behavior his misconduct in public and he got like a part of this entire controversy sort of thing so he so the music direct music producer decided you know what i don't want to be associated with this guy so i'm going to change the track so i said okay cool you know what your decision it's a great thing you don't want to be associated with situations scandals like this whatever go for it change it and so then we decided that we will make the animation uh, on the track that he had already given us we'll show him the the video and then he'll make a new yeah. track on it and if you actually think about it this project has taken me a year to complete yeah a year i'm feeling i know i know what who this music producer is but go on so seven eight to like okay four months to recruit the right people is that so yeah. important and i'm so so grateful to have worked with the people that i did get to work with mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, seven months of production hardcore animation production and like i started this project back in feb last year and we are still in the sound phase still in the music phase so you like and the fees are like paid the fees are being paid and all the like the financial part is being done but you really have to like you know if you know that certain project is also of a certain capability and you as an artist are bringing in so much and there's like if you think that okay financially he can't pay you should be smart about it So, for an example, if you're working with a celebrity, and uh, yeah. I mean, contradictory to her social title, she does not have enough funds for the photo shoot. Yeah. But you know that the photo shoot has a lot of potential. Yeah. How are you going to deal with the situation? I didn't hear what you said after that. How are you going to deal with the situation? my part i i think i would probably work see when it says potential it has to be a mutual benefit from where i see it it will have to not just be the person benefiting but also me if the person you know cannot uh, monetarily be of i won't say use but i would say you know be able to commission my work hmm so I will have to gauge that on a lot of other things like where am I going to use these photos? Will this be digital? Will this be print? Does this person? Am I giving this person the authority to use these photos for press releases or any statement? Because I look at every individual as a public figure, right? Or as a part of an organization of some sort, which is also a public organization. So it mostly I feel like. I've always I avoid doing it, but then I think in sixty percent of the cases I won't, and maybe forty percent I would. Hmm. Hmm. But I won't, you know, if it's getting out of hand to a point where uh, I feel like, you know, I'm not getting reimbursed for my time. 
because while photography means playing with light you have a limited number of you know you have a limited uh, volume of light that is available to you in one day or in a day's work or a week's work a week's worth of work so if i go through that entire thing where the thing is styled completely i have all my props in place i have let's say i'm doing a fashion shoot for a garment company right for a particular person if at the end of it i don't have uh, you know at towards the end of the first week they go like mm, i don't know hmm. i don't then i will probably you know just lose my marble i won't be able to i'll try to talk to them i will for sure but then after a point i won't be able to i have this one client who i would show this person the photos as soon as i shot them because this person was kind enough to you know come for shoots and he was yeah it's damn nice all of that and then he would you know select so in my head i've mentally you know blocked out what are the photos he like because somewhere that comes a little easier to you and uh, after a after when we sitting to you know post process and i post process the selected photos it was like oh i don't like these can you show me other options and then he'll pick what he didn't pick while i was shooting so i feel like even though you need to understand your client's limitations i would really think that the client, it need, it would be very beneficial in the first place if the client knew their own limitations because it is a two way street i generally believe it's a two way street and how do you think you're going to show the client his limitations or you're going to make him aware of them i would actually tell them you know it it is it, it is very difficult for me to deliver what you want if i don't know what you want or if you even you don't know what you want hmm hmm so that's the work that's the principle of your workflow and yeah. as a professional you need to you know put out otherwise you can get exploited outside and like Oh yeah, absolutely. I've had uh, people trying to, you know, bargain with me as on selling vegetables. It's hilarious. And these are people who can very well afford to pay me five times yeah. more than what I'm asking for. Yeah. So it baffles me. I said, why are you doing that? It's really true what they say: the rich stay rich by not spending. But it's it's quite strange. Where do you think we are? you know when it comes to accepting art and design as a full-fledged profession and not a hobby that is where you differentiate between art and design hmm. when you talk about an artist collaborating with a brand it looks at it in a different way when you talk about design being incorporated in the brand design is a it's a way of life Design and everything. Design is the most utilitarian, utilitarian, utilitarian uh, concept so far. Yeah. The, the chairs we sit on, the homes we live in, the clothes we wear, everything yeah. is a principle of design. So when you talk about art, it's more about the that again that subjective, objective um, aspect. So I can give you an example. Gucci uh, collaborated with this particular illustrator. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I think it's Mr. Montreal. I'm not okay, sure about that, but, but you know, guys, people can go up and pick it up on YouTube and find it. So hmm. he's an illustrator by profession, and what he's done is he's uh, illustrated models wearing Gucci apparel, and he's given it a bit of you know like a motion movement to it with some like crazy sound and stuff. So it looks beautiful. 
yeah. gets perceived as art. But if Gucci had to do the same thing as a part of the editorial by hiring mm. an illustrator on board, it wouldn't have received the kind of attention that it did receive because it's being done by a solo artist, not a designer. You know, so you need yeah. to really understand what which stream you're going into. I don't see a lot like I don't know if a lot of people are like that educated in this particular differentiation between the two. Like bottle designing is not art, it's design. It's art incorporated design. You know? Yeah. It's very important people, to classify. But I don't feel like people have, you know, that kind of exposure, education towards, you know, or even to have that capability to be able to make that differentiation. Because a lot of times, even in school, right, we're taught that art and design just come under one subject. If they're, you know, the, uh, they're probably the tributaries of the same river. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's like, that's like the downside of our education system. But if we can sit and like consume so much of non-sensitive content online, yeah. it doesn't really make sense at all as to how you, know, you can put banana and honey on your face and your face suddenly is giving, like, wow. If we can sit there, I don't, I don't, I've never done that. <laughs> but come on, you know, I'm sure you're guilty about going through this. Sort of I've gone through it. I've gone through like <laughs> things like uh, hacks and all. Like I just before this today, I put on like a nice herbal face pack. I'm chilling. <laughs> I put oil in my hair and I'm chilling and I'm you know texting you here and there. Yeah, but exactly. it, I understand what you mean. Do you? But yeah, I guess I guess you're right in some way. But I'm still trying to understand how far have we you know come along. You know when it comes to being able to understand you know and not ask a person uh you know okay what do you do when you say i am an artist i'm a visual artist and then i said hmm. 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 because yeah there. you know you hobby you the hobby you know but i don't understand that mindset of you know calling it a hobby hmm. 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 so how far do you think we've come when it you know it comes to changing that mentality or that idea of what it is we are in we're in the time like i say because uh, i've been following this uh, community culture emerging a lot from bombay there has been coming from calcutta and other parts of india as well but i've seen a major rise from bombay with artists on board like kajit rajit hmm. you know and uh Del the Del. these people have Ended up collaborating with really big names. It sounds like, um, what is that? Anurag Kashyap, uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Anurag Kashyap's series on Netflix. Which one? He's done multiple. I There's one. I just forgot the name. With Stephanie Hannah. Sacred Game. I was going to say Sacred Game. Sacred Game. I haven't watched so, I mean, the design uh, design aspect of it yeah. is being done by Sajid Hajid. Now, when you are working for a client, for a specific medium, what they want, when you're initiating their response, that is design. Because you're working yeah. for them, for their vision. When you're doing something for your own vision, from your own vision, just your own interpretation, that's art. 
the victims right there so when these artists decide to take their style and monetize it for somebody else and make a design i think that's a big step you know hmm. as a community and reaching out to a platform like netflix getting yeah. recognition by the like uh, upcoming comedians like kenny sebastian yeah. we were reaching there you know we're, we're doing it like we're going to become yeah. like i just there's only one downside that i see to this entire trend is that um we are still being very protective as to who i want to collaborate with you know yeah. what kind of music artist i want to be like seen on whose page i want to be seen what the instagram algorithm how many followers i'll get you know have like these people when they began working they did not sit and like think you know okay i will like or, like systematically like differentiate between who's successful who is not successful the more yeah. amount of work you do is equally proportional to the kind of like expertise you build on that team even if you're not from that particular field i am not an animator i haven't had formal education in animation but i've worked so much now in that industry um i haven't had any any sort of graphic designing education any sort of branding advertising yet at the age of uh, 18 19 i was working as a professional brand manager you know i was yeah. recreating brand manuals i was doing interior designing i wasn't a part of interior designing but i did it because i like i studied about it i researched about it and it is a lot you know where today if i can independently a 19 year old can go up to a client and say okay you know what i think i can do this for you i can design this brand for you i think we're reaching there like we're, we're moving as an industry we're moving it's just that we still have to find that like uh, balance between doing it for the same yeah. and doing it cuz we want to do it yeah i get it i like how you were trying to very hard to control your laughter earlier <laughs> and so you know coming back to talking about the stuff we're consuming online and the instagram algorithm when we spoke in the previous stream we discussed how our mental health really affects uh, the art we create and consume so there's something i've always wondered is that you know how they talk about you know like how you get these amazon ads right after you've checked it out throughout or you know just spoken about it it shows up on your instagram feed do you yeah. feel like the kind of things that you say or you text or you you know talk about only those or the kind of art you constantly look at that's what keeps showing itself and do you feel like you're being uh, kept away from an entire different world i mean you have to uh, consider the point where you know the algorithm is only going to show you what what you already consume what you're working on because like they have this they have the system of understanding when to release a particular product and what kind of an audience is going to get hooked to that product so they categorize the target uh, the target audience where they have like people who are going to be excited about the product they can use the product be it instagram be it tiktok uh, then there are people who are going to experiment with the product you know really get into the light then there are people who are going to treat it as a fad like they use it and then they like whatever and then there are people who are going to really make it trend so yeah. when they are as you have to think about it in terms of 
Instagramming a product. You know, when they're marketing to us, be it Google, be it, be it all these integrated platforms and systems, if you feel like you are being marketed only a certain type of content, go to a different platform. Explore another option. Research another topic. That's it. That is when you look at understand why am I being shown only this stuff on Instagram? Like why am I being shown only these kinds of ads? And Instagram still is a free tool. You know, that's a very big thing for advertising agencies. You can, like, free in the sense, you have to pay for your ads, but it's not that much, dude. And, like, we all are just, audience is literally free on it. So, yeah. we have that option of choosing what kind of content we want to follow. Because the minute we press that follow button, we are committing our timeline, our feed to that kind of content. And, um, honestly, I've had a mental breakdown because of social media last year is when I decided to go off social media for, and I was off a good 8 to 12 months because I kind of got addicted to it, dude. I would get like an adrenaline rush, like, oh, like this, that content, like, what is she doing? What are, you know, we've all been there. And that's yeah. when I realized, why am I still following in this kind of It becomes meta, like, <laughs> if you really think about it, like, why, we, why are you constantly going and listening to somebody who is just ranting about the bad things in their life? you would automatically start like putting that in yourself, like in your life sort of thing. So you unfollow those things and you always have that option. Because people always say, you know, we don't, like, we, we the data is gone and like, we're exposed and the computers are going to, like, control everything. Google's going to control everything that we see, talk. Miscarriage is what it is. Because four years down the line, the way we live now, Fall is also fine. Like 10 years down the line, the way we will live is going to be so different, and technology is going to be such a huge part of our lives, yes. whether we like it I or think not. it already is. It already is. Yeah, yeah. So we like we better, you know, instead of like getting so existentially, like getting into the crisis of it, understand how to make it work for us. Because I think that's the point where we will really, in the true sense, evolve, you know. Yeah. I, I agree. So, uh, I'll actually pin this comment for a while. Uh, Shubankar asks, what do you think about Pinterest for inspiration and ideas? Would that be considered copying? No, because I'm an avid uh, Pinterest. Pinterest. <laughs> <Junkie sorry. laughs> I have I so many boards on it. <laughs> Uh, one yeah. of the reasons why I really like that platform is the way it is presented. I yeah. mean, uh, even if it looks very scattered, the yeah. fact that, you know, I have so many options to look at from the same content that makes me happy. But uh, it's, again, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Dude. Like, you have to be original to yourself, no matter what you expose yourself out to. And don't limit your exposure, you know. Because the minute you yeah. start exposing yourself out to only one thing, you will naturally see it become you. So if you're think, if you come to that, if you are that aware and if you are, you know, that true to yourself that okay, you start realizing, am I copying this? Am I incorporating this way too much in my work? Read about something else. Think about something else. That's how so many streams of science and technology evolved. It's the amalgamation of two different topics. You know? Yeah. So you have to be true to yourself. But yeah, I mean, I, I love this book. Yeah, Pinterest has gave it. I've actually yeah. seen a lot of graphic designers lift stuff off of Pinterest and put them in creative. 
because like you know uh, i came across this set of about like uh, it was about people with different potentials and so therefore the term multi potentialite seems from that particular set of and even if you look at if you can google that term you know i'm sure that set of will pop up and so this uh, particular i think lady was talking about how during the renaissance the, like this was the trend you know where people would do a hundred things and do good like they wouldn't just like put their hand in like one two things and okay you know and they do yeah. like even if they're doing five things they're good at it and back yeah. then they refer to these people as whole rounded people you know these mm. people are like um like they're well rounded sort of people mm. and eventually down the line people started going into exploring going into specialization and then suddenly because people fear that we will waste so much time doing 100 things why do i not just stick to one but then there are people who like to do 100 things there are people who like to our brains work very differently like if i'm focusing on one thing i will want to focus on that thing. but if my brain gets stimulated by doing 100 other things it helps me and you know it's healthy to the point to do multitasking it's really healthy to the point to have these multi potentials because you cannot yeah. get obsessed with one thing all your life yeah. you cannot just think okay, i want to like paint 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 and i'm fucking paint i'm eating also paint i'm sleeping and you can't do that like you have a life beyond it so when i talk to them when i approach them uh, i make it very clear that it's not it's not a small thing for me it's not hobby for say yeah. you know this is something that i do for life and this really makes your character yeah you know? I get that. I have. I usually tend to, you know, go like, okay, tell me what you're asking me about. What, like, you know, my skill sets, or whether yeah. what I'm studying, or what yeah. I work at, because all of them are very, very different things. Definitely. Like, I'm not studying what I'm doing. I'm not, you know, my work is not something I've actually studied. So mm-hmm. it it gets it's very strange. So it's funny you mentioned the Renaissance because I want to. Uh, something i've realized also is that a lot of people who haven't had any exposure to you know classical art uh, when i say classical i mean like let's say renaissance yeah. painting or uh, you know stuff like um, like what else can i think of contemporary pieces yes contemporary pieces so a lot of people have actually learned a lot more about them through memes hmm Do okay. you think? Yeah. Do you think that is it is strange in but in a good way or a bad way? I mean, I think it's strange that you know to think that you would actually learn. And I speak for majority of the people because I'm pretty sure the majority of the people won't know the difference between, uh, let's say, a modern art piece and a contemporary art piece, oh. or a postmodern, not a modern, a postmodern. Oh. So, but then they will they can recognize it going like okay I I saw this on a meme, hmm. right? So yeah, so not the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because okay, yeah, because a little I know very little about it, and hmm. there's still art there's still artwork I discovered from me personally. Hmm. Hmm. So what do you think about that? That where the generation that's discovering these old classics through hmm. memes. Hmm. um it it's like it's definitely resurfacing a lot and i'm yeah. kind of i'm kind of glad that you know this content is coming back but uh, it's very interesting to you know see that the cultural shift sort of take place where initially the 
the mode, the, the tone of these pieces were very yeah. serious. If you yeah. even if you look at Renaissance art in general, the way they perceive like uh, painting, for the matter of fact, a lot of paintings were almost they attempted to make it as close to the real object as possible because they were so like uh, dedicated to that particular thing. You know that if an apple looks a certain way or a shine a certain way, it needs to be painted in that manner. And even in the, the society that we lived in back then had those kind of rules, you know, had those certain sort of norms and restrictions where Renaissance art usually originates from. You know, they, they had a certain hierarchy in place, like something was really like, so that was in the culture where I would say till a point oppressed, till a certain yeah. point there was repression in that time, but it's so obvious that like you can see a proper kind of format going on in that compared to when expressionism came after that, the yeah. modern cubism came, you know, that is when people started taking streams into art. That's when they started exploring. So I am fond of it. It's interesting to me to see the classical meme art meme. I think it originated from this Facebook page called Classical um, Art Memes and then it trickled yeah. down into, I think, Nine Gag also has a platform now on uh, classical memes. But yeah. um, it's very interesting to see how people, I mean, use that serious tone and kind of made it into a meme. It's really funny. But this, I understand the level of this is because I have prior education in studying art history. Yeah. Might not be the same for, for somebody who does not know what the painting is or who is in the painting. What is the context behind it? And honestly, mm. it's, it's, it's fine. You know, I'm not saying that it's okay to defame somebody's work. And you know, make it extremely sexual or be like like repulsive, and yeah. uh, like you know, not respect that person's work. But when you talk about memes, it's it's more on the light-hearted side. Unless you're talking about, so you know, there's so much. Like even when we talk about memes, there's dark humor, and then yeah. like, there's always this tone of sarcasm. That is what a meme is, right? It's built on the tone of sarcasm. So it's interesting to see how these this stuff is resurfacing now. But I really doubt a lot of people are going back and researching, okay, where did this painting actually come from? Or what is the actual meaning behind this piece of work? We look at it, we feel we feel like a sense of relatability and then we laugh out about it. And that that's the interesting part because that's why Renaissance as an art movement wanted to associate with the people. Because this is a picture of a person who looks like you. Or has similar features to you, be it in a different, like a different, like uh, setting or clothes, but is in a situation where you would find yourself to be, and they make it funny. So it's it's fun. Yeah. As long as they don't, you know, like really rip it out. Like I've seen so many um, adaptations of Van Gogh and yeah. uh, of Mona Lisa, and that that yeah. is, there's this one particular meme where there's this girl walking by. And there's Van Gogh and there's this other, like, I think it's, in the original meme, it's his wife and he's turning back and he's looking at this thick bosom or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's a replication of Van Gogh in it. So, I don't know if it would be a very, if it would get controversial if those particular artists were alive yet. And yeah. then this entire copyright, all of this, you know, uh, stuff yeah. would come in. But see, that's the thing with art. The minute you make it, like, the minute you make it common creative license, you see so much coming out of it. And I think that should be there. We should promote this sort of a culture of free sharing. 
Yeah, I think I think we're still uh, learning how to even promote that in the first place because we're trying to figure out what is mine, what am I okay yeah. sharing, and giving yeah. to someone else. Yes. Like even the whole idea of royalty-free images, I have thought about it so much. Like you know, should I you know just you know put up my photos on Unsplash? Hmm. Like maybe I could make something out of it, and then I'm like I'm questioning also that, but it's my photo, it's my work. But then I'm also hmm. questioning that whether someone will actually pay to buy it and use mm. it and mm. if people do use it will they credit me i don't it's but i get it i think it's a process eventually mm. it it really is you know have you come across the stendhal syndrome no can you elaborate on it so it's called the florence syndrome okay. so it's basically a psychosomatic uh, syndrome where when you see a piece of art you can get so overwhelmed by emotion okay that on so upon looking let's say i'm looking at a painting i would get so overwhelmed with emotion that i will start i'll either start crying or i'll feel so i'll faint or i'll you know start sweating i'll be dizzy but mostly crying or you know feeling like this whole wave of emotion coming to you because mm-hmm. it feels so you feel so connected to that piece of art Like for me, the most recent example or something that was happening was watching uh, Above and Beyond in concert. Okay. And okay. I fell to the floor mm-hmm. because because of what that you know what these artists meant to me personally in my mm-hmm. own life and how I looked at them and then watching them live after this a really you know tumultuous day. It was mm-hmm. it was a shit show for a day that particular day, mm-hmm. and I remember going in. you know i'm watching them and then there's this moment where i just drop to the ground and i'm just howling no and no. just in tears and there's music like blaring all around me but you know my tears are a lot louder mm-hmm. so they also say that you know when you look at a particular painting mm-hmm. so they say that uh, i think someone stand all i don't remember his name he went to florence and he felt this okay Okay. So that's how it started. So, is there any art piece that evokes that emotion in you, or has anything happened like that so far? Uh, I think Michelangelo has been a major influence in my yeah. art, the way I perceive my work, or the way I study my work. He sort of uh, the way he encaptured the delicacies of the skin. Yeah. Um, in a medium like marble you yeah. know and this marble used to be sourced from mountains and then they used to bring the truck and then they used to get the marble down to the sculptor's studio and then he would sit and chisel and sculpt and back then they didn't have any machines you know so just yeah. two tools the chisel and a hammer and he used to yeah. hammer the hell out of that freaking sculpture to get that particular image out and if you yeah. actually look at the sculptures that he's made You can literally see the waves, you know, like of of the David. Uh, I think the sculpture is still in in one of the chapters. You can see, you can literally see the intricacies in it, the amount of life he's trying to give to that that object. And uh, yeah. in a lot of his interviews, you know, in a, like in his stories, he's spoken about how he always like already see the person inside the sculpture yeah. and not the other one. So he would always know that okay, this is what is in existing inside the stone, and I will like chisel it out, and it will come to life. So his his attention to details, his dedication to his work, is something that 
uh, has a lot of uh, influence on me but uh, not not is not like have i literally look at so much like i've been looking at so many pieces of art there's nothing that has like yet struck that emotional chord in me where i want to just stand and look at it and start crying or i haven't experienced that so far yet so i hope Let that me- will come i'm sure it will or i'm i'm not sure if i've you know phrased myself right because there's uh so let me give you another example with photographs i was just making sure i got the right the name of the place right uh, can i can so, i just can i just pause for a second here yeah. can i just switch yeah. on the light so that i think yeah yeah go for getting dark just give me a yeah. minute yeah you can now do it even on the fairy lights you want to see my cool fairy lights i don't know if you can see it ah it's so pretty and okay it. is this better yeah look at cool fairy lights oh very cool. i'll send you photos later anyway <laughs> so coming back to so there was this one photo i happened to see and i just couldn't stop staring at it uh it was this photo even if you look it up right now if you look at uh, a russian soldier plays a deserted pia- uh, piano so there's a grand piano in the middle of nowhere and it looks like you no know, war has taken place out there Hmm. and there's just this lone soldier standing out there and just you know just playing the piano hmm. and someone photographed him from the back let me try to show it to you uh and it was so interesting to you know watch you see this hmm. so i just couldn't stop staring at it must be god but yeah so is there something like that where you know you look at this piece of art and you just can't stop looking at it uh there is a piece by uh there's so many so many pieces there like it's really so hard i'm just going down my memory lane okay give me a second <laughs> yeah yeah there's a piece by um, monet yeah and he has painted the water lilies yeah and uh, you look at it up close it will look like you know like smudges of like paint everywhere but if you take a step back you will understand the entire scene and the way that particular piece is exhibited is not on a straight canvas it's exhibited on a circular canvas you're literally mm-hmm. standing inside the scene and i think that particular uh, piece really brought to my attention that you know a painting or an art piece is not made out of a huge like a huge space you really have to like take that effort to go up close to it like touch the painting if you ever get the chance to you know understand why a stroke is put that way i mean van gogh for example is also like a great uh, explanation yeah. to the way he brought in expressionism how he d- d- depicted the fundamentals of wind you know turbulence he is known to be the very first person to have come across this concept turbulence through his art where you can yeah where you can clearly see his strokes of light where they depict yeah. the wind i mean starry night is a yeah. very good example of it so yeah, i think you know it's not just one piece but yeah i think uh, monet and uh, van gogh starry night has been there's a certain sense of um melancholy 
and yeah. that was you which yeah. does not really make you sad but it makes you quiet and i think yeah. that comes a lot because also of knowing the kind of background you know he has his life story maybe maybe that's why i kind of feel so like i try to think about what he must be going through because there is one particular piece where he it's painted it's a cafe he's basically sitting outside on the cafe and he's painted the door of venice and the rest of the cafe and if for a normal viewer to look at that piece he's like okay this is a busy cafe when you think about an artist sitting alone painting yeah. something of this sort so for me as a subjective uh, answer it it comes from knowing the artist background that is when i truly feel so moved you know Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay, this was a lot of fun. We're reaching the end of the second hour. This was so wholesome, and I learned so much from you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for agreeing to do this for me. <laughs> I hope I hope you had a good time, and uh, and thank and you yeah. so much for doing this. Hey, thanks, man. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. But yes, I will call you right after I stop streaming this, and uh, let's chat again. And I hope you guys watching, listening, whoever will watch later. I hope all of you had fun. That was Mansi Boyatkar, and check out her page. She is insanely good at what she does, and she is so collected. I learned today. You are so collected <laughs> with your thoughts. I love it. It's it's brilliant. So yeah, but thanks for coming on so much, and uh, I'm going to end this stream soon. So I will call you in a bit. Bye. Bye. Okay. So that was Mansi, and uh, this was a really long one today. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this, and uh, if you have any advice on how this can be better, if you really liked it, share it on your stories, please. Uh, yeah, do that. And uh, if you have any. you know any feedback about how this can be better your entire viewing experience and listening experience could be better if you have any questions you want to ask uh, and if you have any people you think i should bring on let me know and i will try to make that happen and thank you to adhir rashput music for helping me with recording this uh, please send me that and uh, yeah